Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee faithfully served the Lord for more than seven decades, co-laboring with Watchman Nee in China in the first half of the 20th century, before continuing his ministry in Taiwan, later in America, and eventually over the entire earth. He spoke these weekly Life Study messages before thousands of people, and much of his speaking has been published as over 400 titles. These life studies are perhaps his most significant work, taking 21 years for him to complete, and we're happy today to be able to bring you selected portions from those messages. If you'd like to find out more about his ministry, about the life studies themselves, and Living Stream Ministry, please visit our website, lsm.org. Now let's join today's program. What is revealed in Deuteronomy is what is revealed in the whole Bible. The entire Bible shows us that God is loving, righteous, and faithful. The Bible also exposes how unfaithful we are. It shows us how defeated we have been in the past and how much failure we will have in the future. But in spite of all of this, God will still enable his chosen people to enter into the rich Christ, to possess him, enjoy him, experience him, and even to live in him. This is Deuteronomy, and this is our Bible. Welcome to the Life Study of Deuteronomy, as we're here for our third program. Joining us today, uh, I think, for a marvelous portion to be able to uh, fellowship together is Francis Paul. Francis, awfully glad you're here. Yeah, I'm awfully glad I'm here, too, because this is really quite marvelous to get into this book, which says so much about God speaking, probably more than any book. That's one of the points that's being made in these first programs. Of course, we saw in our first program the, the word Deuteronomy, Francis, means re-speaking or uh, speaking again of the law mm-hmm. uh, as Moses was now addressing a new generation preparing to enter into the good land. Uh, also in the first couple of programs, Francis, we saw a principle about how to interpret and understand the whole Bible. This was marvelous. Uh, to illustrate this principle, we saw how the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, particularly in Romans chapter 10, went back to this book, Deuteronomy, and in quoting a passage from chapter 30, he interpreted the passage by inserting Christ, actually replacing something in Moses' word with Christ, uh, a real interpreting of the Bible. The Bible interpreting the Bible, I guess, is a good way to say it. Uh, It was such a striking point that Witness Lee spent another message talking about it, and I think even though we're going to go on today beyond it, it would be worth a quick review for those who may have missed it. It's quite wonderful that uh, the Bible is such a book and written by God's own speaking through his servants that whether it's Moses in the Old Testament in that ancient time or whether it's Paul in the days of the New Testament time, they're both saying the same thing because they're speaking the word of God. And uh, to say that Moses was giving the commandments and later saying he's giving the word, it's both the same thing. And when Paul interprets that as Christ, he means the Word is Christ. And actually, that's what John said in John chapter 1. Right. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the speaking of God is just the speaking of Christ. And Paul makes that absolutely clear when he interprets in uh, Romans 10, as you mentioned, 
he's replacing the word with Christ because Christ is the word. Mm -hmm. And when uh, Moses said it, he said the word. When Paul read the same passage, he said Christ. Really something is uh, uh, Ron Kangas and I were fellowshipping this point. It came out, many people have uh, criticized this ministry and criticized Witness Lee for reading too much into his so-called interpretation of the Bible, but all he ever read into his interpretation was to see Christ in all of the pages of the Bible, just as you've uh, indicated the Apostle Paul did. So uh, the precedent is there in Scripture for this kind of healthy interpretation, isn't it? And that's really what the Lord wants anyway, is to infuse his Christ into us. So when we interpret the Bible, we should see Christ in every page. We're going to continue to see him, I think, today as we uh, get on with our live study. In fact, another comparison will be made in our first segment today of this program between Paul and Moses. And for this, Witness Lee is going to point us to a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I thought I'd read it before we join him. Actually, two verses, verse 25 and verse 40. Uh, Now, this is Paul speaking about a problem and his uh, recommended solution for it in the church, but it's the principle that we want to get help from today, but just so people aren't confused why we're reading this passage. Uh, But if you bear with us, I think you'll see the connection. Okay, Paul in chapter 7 of 1 Corinthians says, Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord, but, and this is the key portion here, I give my opinion as one who has been shown mercy by the Lord to be faithful. So what then Paul goes on to speak, which we're not going to go into the specifics today, the main point is that he is admitting that's his opinion. Now, let's come back to verse 40. It says, but she is more blessed if she so remains according to my opinion. But I think that I also have the Spirit of God. His rather humble utterance there was an understatement. He surely did have the Spirit, didn't he, Francis? Yes, he did. And that's, that's the marvel of the Word of God. The speaking of it is really Christ, but the one who's doing the speaking is a man. He chose a man to speak all his words, and he used Moses in the Old Testament to speak his words, and he used Paul in the New Testament to speak his words. Not only these, but these two really have very much in common. Yes. They really speak only the words of God. Let's join Witness Lee with our first segment. Moses was the spokesman of God. He didn't speak his own word. He spoke God's word. He was just an aged, old, loving father speaking to his children with much love and concern. Not only love, but concern. I may love you, but I don't have any concern for you. But this living father, he has love plus concern. If he could enter the good land for you, he would do it. But he couldn't. You have to do it by yourself. This book contains God's word more than any other book of the Bible. Every word spoken by Moses was God's word. As Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, Moses may express something of his feeling. Even that eventually became the word of God, like Paul. In 1 Corinthians, he told us that was not the commandment of the Lord, but that was his opinion. Yet, he still thought he had the Spirit of God in expressing his opinion. 
So eventually his opinion becomes a part of God's word as a divine revelation in the New Testament. Because he is such a man constituted with God. Right? He, in speaking, becomes God. Whatever he speaks, that's God speaking. The same with Moses. Moses was speaking for God for 40 years. Eventually, he was a man fully constituted, not only saturated, soaked with the thought of God, but he was constituted with the speaking God. So every word that proceeds out of his mouth is the word of God. The word of God spoken all the way through one spokesman. Francis, there's a a couple of very significant points here. I'm trying to weigh how to use the precious few moments that we have. Let's start with this matter of the similarity um, between Paul and Moses, particularly his emphasis here at the end about their both being not just spokesmen for God, which they were, but both being constituted with him. Mm Mm-hmm. That is quite a word to use, to be constituted with him. That means they were in God's presence, so much so that what they spoke was God speaking. They didn't invent their own words. They didn't make up their own ideas, their own plan, but they heard God speaking because he was in them, speaking his word. And the words that they spoke were actually God's words because Moses didn't uh, choose his own words and Paul didn't choose his own words. They both spoke just according to God's speaking. I think this is marvelous because today there is so much speaking about God, but not much constitution of God. So what we need today for speaking God's word, we need to be constituted with him and with his word so that what we speak is really God's speaking. And this is what we have both in Moses and in Paul. This is the similarity of these two speakers. They're both spokesmen of God. It's interesting. The point of emphasis here is not just that they were knowledgeable or educated in God's Word, which certainly both were. We know that. But there's this matter of constitution, being constituted with God himself, and the the illustration there that Paul, so one with God, that God recognized or acknowledged even Paul's opinion Mm -hmm. as God's own Word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I really was touched with that, too, when you brought that out, because... We think of uh, not being so free to use our own opinion, and we certainly shouldn't. But here is one so saturated with God and with God's thought and God's word that what he spoke as his opinion was really God speaking. Wow. That is marvelous. It is marvelous. Francis, in the next portion, uh, we want to look at another New Testament verse that's going to help us. We're going now to see... Moses had an experience of God, um, one of many, but this one near the end of his life must have been bitter to him, but it served as a great lesson, not just to Moses, but to all of God's people. And that is Moses firsthand experienced the discipline, the loving discipline of God according to his governmental administration. And uh, we have a New Testament reference here that we want to use as background. That's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5. And you have completely forgotten the exhortation which reasons with you as with sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when reproved by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. I really am impressed with that because uh, so many people are so occupied with the thought of God's love 
in a spoiling way. Right. They think if God loves me, surely he would do this for me. If he loved me, he wouldn't let this happen to me, or he wouldn't uh, discipline me. But he's not only a loving father, but he's a disciplining father. And this is really quite a lesson every father should know, that we not only love our children, but we have a concern for them to the extent that we would discipline them. And certainly, Moses is under the disciplining hand of God as well as the loving hand of God. That's right. He was not only speaking God's word, but he was receiving God's discipline. Mm. Let's go back to Witness Lee. This book speaks about the governmental administration of God. God's dealing in this book is altogether a kind of governmental administration. We used to say, that boy is spoiled. You know, when we spoil a child, that means what? We only love. We taught governmental administration. But God is not that foolish. He's not a spoiling father. He's a perfecting father. And the perfecting father is always loving and dealing governmentally. In Hebrew 12, Paul says, whom the father loves, he disciplines. So God loving plus God discipline. This is the proper way. Not to spoil, but to perfect. God loves you, so God disciplines you. For what purpose? For the purpose to perfect you. And this was exactly what God was doing all the way with the children of Israel. God loves them. But God would not let them go. Anything. Even with Moses. My goodness. He was the most faithful servant when he was charged by God to speak a word to the rock again. Moses was very, very angry. He called them, ye rebels. Just this word offended God. He lost his right to enter into the good land. If I were God, I would say, Moses, you sure did something wrong. But because of your faithfulness, I just let you go. God never would let Moses go. God said, don't talk to me about this matter. I will give you a chance to look at the good land. I would not allow you to go in. That was what? That was a governmental administration. You see, today, too much dissenting, rebellious expressions. It seems that there's no God. Do you believe that there's no God? God loves, God also what? Disciplines. He does have his governmental administration. Oh, Francis, many times when we are under God's uh, governmental administration, his discipline, it seems to us as if there's no God. And I wonder if Moses maybe had that, uh, that thought. Uh, just quickly, for those who may have forgotten the story, Moses uh, lost his temper with the people of uh, children of Israel in a way that did not reflect God's own feeling, and this was an offense to God, and therefore he was disallowed, refused from entering into the good land. But this principle that's illustrated by this story, I think, is what we really want to focus on, isn't it? Yes, that uh, God is not just a loving God without discipline. I'm afraid that's too much the attitude that many people have, that he's loving, but there's no discipline. 
But even with Moses, his faithful servant who spoke his word, yet when he lost his temper, he offended God, and God disciplined him. And I was just considering, too, throughout their whole history, not only Moses was a loving father, he was also a disciplining father. He would correct, and he would uh, exercise his authority. But he experienced God's discipline as well as his loving care. Mm -hmm. And all the people who heard him had the same kind of experience. They experienced his loving care, but they also experienced his discipline. This matter of entering into the good land is not a small thing. And as uh, you pointed out earlier, I believe, that uh, if Moses could go in for them into the good land, he would do it. But he can't. Everyone has to go on their own. But our faithful Father is not only loving us and carrying us along and appearing to us and speaking to us, but he's also disciplining us so that we will be brought into the good land to enjoy Christ in such a full way. Chris, I feel like this is much, much needed throughout all of the Christian community. We need to hear this kind of word, that he's loving, but he's also disciplining. Francis, I'm thinking of the kind of impact this must have had on this younger generation, or even Joshua, who was about to become the one to lead them and, in a sense, replace Moses as the one leading God's people. Uh, Moses, by now, is, uh, what, nearly 120 years old. He's fully matured both in his uh, human life and, and in his spiritual constitution. And he was held in such regard, no doubt, by all of the people, yet even this one is subject to God's discipline, God's authority, God's governmental administration. This must have made a profound impression on all of the people uh, to perfect, as he pointed out. Uh, this is really the should be the object of our love, shouldn't it? It really should. And this is really marvelous how God does deal with us because he's very faithful to deal with us, but he's very loving, and also he disciplines us because he loves us. Yes. So I'm thankful for his hand on us. We opened the program today by uh, pointing out a comparison or a parallel between Deuteronomy and the entire Bible and what they both reveal. Uh, that's what we will touch in this last segment. Let's go back to Witness Lee. Deuteronomy is speaking concerning what kind of man one should be to inherit the promised land as the good land. The entire book charges us to love God, to subject ourselves to God, to mind what is the tender feeling, tender thought within God, and also to live in his presence. You say, I cannot make it. But I would say, you do have the word, which is Christ. Amen. The word is your sustaining strength. Amen. Christ is the one making you well able Amen. to be such a person. Like Paul says, put your mind upon the spirit, minding the tender feelings, tender thought within God and living in his presence. As long as you have morning revival by the Holy Word and you have the daily victory by the Holy Word, you'll make it. Who is the meeting strength? That's Christ. Then the principle of the New Testament is the same. God's salvation is unconditional. Believe in him, you'll be saved. You will have eternal life. 
This is the, the salvation. Whereas the enjoyment of the riches in Christ is conditional. Depending on man's loving Christ solely. So you could see the teaching here in Deuteronomy is exactly the same as what is taught in the New Testament. The way of expressions is different, but the essence of the way is exactly the same. On the one hand, this will point out God dealing that man may know his heart of love and his hand of dealing, so that man may trust in God. On the other hand, it points out man's failure, that man may know himself, so that man may condemn himself, humble himself, and have no more trust in himself. No boast or glory should go to anyone but God. Hallelujah. This is Deuteronomy. And this also the New Testament. The entire Bible shows us how faithful God is, how loving, how strict, how righteous He is. And the entire Bible also shows us how unfaithful we are, how defeated we have been, right? And how much failure we will make in the future. In spite of all these, God still will make that his children people will enter into the rich Christ to possess him, to enjoy him, and to experience him, and even to live in him. Amen. What is this? The entire Bible. So, I tell you, the Deuteronomy is the Deuteronomy of the entire Bible. Well, Francis, for those who are with us, as we began our life study of Deuteronomy, three things were pointed out that are accomplished both by this book and by the Bible itself. First, that God is manifest Second, that man is exposed. And third, that Christ is revealed. That's really what we're seeing here in this last portion, isn't it? Oh, it certainly is. I'm amazed and I'm really thrilled with the oneness of the whole Bible. To say that the whole Bible is contained in Deuteronomy. (laughs) Right. And it's a story of the whole Bible that's in Deuteronomy. It exactly fits with what the New Testament teaches us through the Apostle Paul and the other writers of the New Testament. This is marvelous, isn't it, Chris? It is more than marvelous. And as you said, the message of the Bible parallels the message of this book. Despite how much we have failed and how much we will fail, God's intent is that his chosen people would be brought in, really ushered in experience into this rich Christ as the good land in type, uh, that we might enjoy him, experience him, and uh, express him. This is quite a way to look at a book like Deuteronomy. Yeah, it? it surely is. And it's good to know that he's not spoiling us, he's perfecting us. Really so. Francis, there was a point I wish we had more time. I'd like to come back to it. Maybe I'll just uh, throw it out for uh, our listeners to consider a little as we uh, prepare to close up today. But that was that uh, in Deuteronomy, as in the Bible, we see that God's salvation is unconditional. Mm -hmm. But what we experience of Christ does have a condition attached, doesn't it, as Moses found out. That's right. That's right. Well, we are out of time. We have a bound volume with these life studies of the whole book of Deuteronomy, just one volume for this life study. Uh, I really hope that our listeners would take advantage of uh, the opportunity to get this volume and really pour over these pages and these points and these verses uh, at their own pace where they can really absorb all that's here. 
we brush over so many of these profound, deep points many times because we're trying to uh, cover a lot of ground. And, and we realize that without such a resource as this, it's very difficult. So I hope uh, all of you listening would contact us. We'd love to get this volume in your hands. It's not very expensive, and uh, we're not here trying to sell books to make money. We really just have the desire and burden to get God's riches and God the food that we are enjoying into everyone's hands. Our toll-free number is one eight 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 life study 888-543-3788. Our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. Thanks to Francis Ball, and for him, I'm Chris Wilde, and thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. If you'd like to read the works of Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, just visit our website, ministrybooks.org. From there, you'll find over 600 complete titles available to read online free of charge. Witness Lee's ministry stood squarely on the shoulders of his mentor and co-worker, Watchman Nee, as well as those of countless ministers of the New Testament throughout the ages. The riches contained in his life study of the Bible represent the top, the cream of his 70 plus years of ministry and range in topic from lessons for new believers to commentary and exposition on passages from every book of the Bible. But they all contain practical and deeper truths about the Christian life. Again, this wonderful online resource is available to you free of charge at ministrybooks.org. If you have questions or comments about this ministry, or the program you heard today, email us, radio at lsm.org, or call us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening today.